Welcome to FitStory TV, the number one resource that everyone in fitness can relate to. I am your host, Matthew Burbridge, with my co-host, Perry Power, and we are on a mission to change the way people see fitness one story at a time. If this is your first time listening, make sure you hit subscribe right now so you don't miss out when we drop more fire. Yo, what is going on, FitStory fam? We are back for another episode of FitStory TV. And as Perry did mention to me earlier today, it actually makes zero fucking sense why we call it FitStory TV, because you can't watch this on television. You can't, you know, even watch this on YouTube anymore or anywhere else for that matter. It's audio. So maybe we should actually take a leaf out of our guest's book for today, uh, Ben Coomer, who has a podcast as well. But it's not called Ben Kuma TV because it's not a fucking television show. Anyway, whilst we're on the subject of um, podcasts, dude, firstly, as avid podcasters ourselves, we just want to throw out some love for your podcast straight off the bat, um, Ben Kuma Radio, and it is killing, dude. Like, we checked out, um, even on your Instagram handle, you, you share some details, 10 million podcast downloads, uh, thir- over 30,000 listeners a week, and, like, over, like, a 1,000 fucking rating so congrats dude on the successes with your podcast dude thank you thank you i've been doing it a while well yeah there's that to consider as well right it's like the length of time so maybe in a maybe i know you said it's that six years maybe in six years fit story non-tv we should call it that fit story non-tv that would probably work so dude um There'll be some people in our audience that do know who you are. When we shared that we were having you on, on the podcast yeah, in the community, there was a lot of love for that, dude. So um, there will be some people in our network that know who you are, what you do. But for others, could you just quickly and briefly, before we dive into the real meat and bones of this podcast, like, just give us a little introduction of who you are and how you're serving the world. Because you notice how I say that? instead of how you help with people, because there's a medium of things that you do, dude. So yeah, man, if you could just break that down real quick, it'd be beautiful. For sure. So uh, I'm 33 today. I oh. the fitness in, no, not birthday, just oh. physical age. <laughs> 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 so I'm just setting the scene. That's good. Dude, yeah. you that quiet, man. <laughs> no, 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 I'm not 33 today. We would so have age 33. We would have uh, sent you some chocolates or some awesome protein. I mean, fuck, dude. <laughs> Mate, I've got everything I could ever want. All good. Um, so I'm 33. I entered into the fitness industry when I was about 20. Uh, before that, when I was 18, I left school. I was obese, had loads of health issues, and I was going to be uh, an actor. Like, all through my childhood, I just loved that thing. Uh, wanted to get up on stage, wanted to get out in front of the camera, all that kind of stuff. And then I had a massive string of failures, wasn't getting any luck, kept auditioning in London, kept doing all that kind of stuff. And then one day I just took a hard look at myself and thought, perhaps I'm the problem. Perhaps it's not the people I'm auditioning in front of. Perhaps it's people that are not looking at the talent and seeing what I've got. So literally looked at myself in the mirror one day and I was like, look, I'm five and a half, six stone overweight. I've got all these health issues. I'm tired. Uh, I'm scared to be myself, which is what I felt I was doing as an actor. I was trying to be confident as someone else rather than confident as myself. I think they're two completely different things. And um, just went on a fitness journey. And the fitness journey was hard. I failed a lot. And um, basically through a point of inflection, I thought, right, I'm, I suck at this. I'm not losing any weight where do people become successful with their health and fitness? So I joined a gym, happened to fall in the hands of a great trainer, got some great advice, uh, bought a book he recommended, read it within a week, and I lost um, six stone in the space of six months. So the weight just fell off me. And that was like, I was like, shit, like this is the results that you could get if you did it properly. And that really just got me into fitness. And then the acting just slowly melted away trained to become a personal trainer, worked as a personal trainer for years, and then just always knew that my calling was higher. I wanted more. I could do more. And not to say that personal training isn't a very valuable career. It is. I just knew that my purpose was different. So I went to uni because I lived in a small town because I felt uni was like a place of opportunity that you could just do things and be exposed to things. And I was, I worked in pro sport. I worked with kids playing rugby. I started my first business. I worked as a barman. I did loads of shit. And um, in the end, I just saw 
the online trend moving and I just wanted to impact more people because I at the time and still now I'm just really into nutrition and how powerful a tool it is and uh, never look back. So these days we have an education company, a supplement company. I do online coaching. I speak at nearly all the major UK events and yeah, I do the podcast thing and generally try and help people move forward through education inspiration. I love that. I'll probably say this is the first guest we've had on with an acting background because for some of the listeners who don't know this, I'm also an actor myself. I've trained to be an actor since the age of seven from London. I uh, got a student film, which is actually quite cool. So I've just moved to a place called Portsmouth. You know Portsmouth, Ben? Yeah, yeah. I used to live yeah. there as a kid. Oh, there we go. No. That's where we are now. Wow. Um, and I just moved to Portsmouth in December. I'm here to the summer. Um, and I'm dabbling into the student life of the student films and got my first one being filmed on Wednesday where I played this guy who has just come out of prison and he's gone to his ex-crime boss to ask for a loan of money to help his wife and child out. He gets the money and we then find out that he's actually going to leave his wife and child behind to run off with his bum boy gay friend from prison who he's now fallen in love with. So It's so twisted. <laughs> that was like, fun. did did. did by any chance the person who wrote this also write the script for like Hollyoaks because yeah. this sounds like some fucked up <laughs> shit that would be on Hollyoaks you know <laughs> yeah or you had me in mind for that particular part who knows <laughs> oh, man I love it dude so I, I, you touched on quite a few things with that and I, I think what's really really important is um just to kind of like backtrack and dive into some more of the like like I said the meat and bones of your journey right so you mentioned uh, just now you, you grew up in Portsmouth yeah so, and, and you were a fat kid, so, so, so to speak. So talk yep. to us a little bit about what life was like back then and, and what you had to deal with as, as, a, as a fat kid and growing up here in Portsmouth, actually. So I was only in Portsmouth for about two years, twice. My dad, my dad, we grew up when my dad was in the military. So we moved every like two years. So when I was a kid between like four and 12, yeah, we moved every two years. So I moved in, I lived in Portsmouth twice. Portsmouth was great growing, growing up as a kid, but I was very distant from my dad as a kid. And I would say that gave me a lot of my ambition in my early years. I find just through personal experience, a lot of reading that a lot of kids that don't get the love of one parent, you know, there's a broken family. There's uh, usually a kid that wants to try and act up or act out and try and get noticed and get loved. And I was very much uh, like that as a kid. I would say that's very much inbuilt in me now still, but I would say I channel that energy in a positive way. I have full awareness of how, how that's happened and how I feel about that all. Mm. Um, as a fat kid, as you can imagine, anyone that's been fat or I'll just say different, uh, you get bullied, you know, you, you're not part of the cool, you know, clan, you get picked for school, sports teams last, you get picked for fucking kiss chase last, all of that kind of stuff, <laughs> you know. You, you have to deal with that. So that makes you try and become noticed in, in, in some way. Um, and at school, I don't know if it's because of the schools that I went to, we did a lot of school plays. So a school plays were like one of the ways that I could get noticed, you know, every couple of weeks I could be on stage playing the, the character of whatever. And that gave me some level of notoriety. Um, and that was something that I enjoyed as a kid because otherwise I would have been left behind I wasn't particularly intelligent at school. You know, I was a, a, a C or a D student at English, math, science, all that kind of stuff. But I was good at the arts. So I thought, well, you know, you've got to just lean on something you're good at. That's all you can do in life. You've just got to go all in on something that you can do and just fuck everything else. 100%. Um, so that was where it came from. And then as I, as I was like turning into an adult, I just realized that I wasn't doing the acting from pure reasons. Like I just felt false and I was pretending every time I got up on stage and I thought I've just got to distance myself from this while I just figure it out and you know it took me a while to figure it out and then like anything and again it's probably a really important life lesson you just got to follow what you're interested in that's it like I didn't want to wake up at any point in my life thinking oh, I don't want to I don't want to go to work today I don't want to do whatever today I wanted to just follow my passion so then I just got into the fitness industry and just, yeah, never look back after the act. And I suppose I'm fortunate now because we live in a technologically in interconnected world. So if I want to 
get on a podcast like I am now or get on a, a YouTube channel or whatever, I can do that. So it's almost in a way kind of like acting, but it's different. I'm myself now. And I'd say I'm the purest version of myself. I know all my strengths, my weaknesses, my flaws, my, 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 my strengths, you know, and I'm happy with that. There's loads of things that I'd love to be different. Um, you know, and we can all sit here and look at our flaws. Like I've got small calves. I can't straighten my arm. I still can't <laughs> count and I'm still shit at maths and all that kind of stuff. But I found some stuff I'm good at. So I've just concentrated on that. It's so true, man. I, I was actually saying to someone just the other day about how, you know, uh, in, in schools and weirdly it was actually in the school as another parent. There was parents even. And I know you're soon to be dad, right? Mm. Dude. Congrats. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> but yeah, I was at the school uh, for my daughter's um, parents' evening. And I was talking to this other parent about how, like, you know, she was a bit worried, a bit anxious that, you know, she was, that her child, there was going to be like a bit of a bad report on her. And I, and I was talking to her and I was like, look, honestly, it's all about just finding out what they like and then just allowing them to just lean into it, you know, and, and try it. Because I really do believe that that's how, if we double down on the things that we enjoy when we're in school, then fucking hell man I, I sometimes think about my journey and my story and if I was able to really funnel myself into art I was really good at it when I was younger still okay now um but if I was able to really pursue that uh, instead of being told that I was no good at maths and that that needed to be improved and that I was no good at science and that needed to be improved because they're the things that need to be you know like maybe life would have been infinitely different who, who the fuck knows mm. I, this is only because I'm becoming a recent dad and I'm looking into it because I'm a bit of an OCD planner. Uh, one of the benefits of going to a military school as a kid is you realize that there's actually great power and being really organized with your life. Um, so I'm a really organized person. It's been drilled into me and I always look ahead and like already I'm looking at what school my kid might go to in like four five, six years time. And um, there's a, a concept of education called Montessori. And uh, I did, you, you're nodding your head. You might have, uh, you might know about it. And so much of what you've just said is already there about allowing people to just lean into what what the, what they're good at, just explore, just play. And I absolutely love that. And if I think about my experience at school, if I think about my experience in early workplaces, like there's so many traditional ways of thinking that just need to be torn up and just thrown out. And people just should just be allowed to thrive and do what they want. I did a big post on Facebook last week about um, sort of like people were claiming that they couldn't change because there's just no time in the working week anymore. People are working too hard. They're too stressed, all that kind of shit. And I was, I just called bullshit. I was just fed up. And I was just like, everyone's got half an hour in the day to just sit down and just take a moment and say, right, what's going on? What do I need to get sorted? What do I need to square away? you know, okay, I haven't got time for the gym. That's fine. Okay. I can go and prepare a healthy meal. And I just kind of called it all out. And, and I talked about my workplace and how I set the culture in my company, all this kind of stuff. And so many people just cried like, oh, I can't do that. My boss won't do this. And it's just amazing how many people are conditioned to feel absolutely um, shackled in their potential. And it's just really sad to see um, I suppose this is what we're getting at is being able to thrive within yourself and within the environment that we create around ourselves. Yeah, I guess it's like people like to act like they're the busiest motherfucker in the planet. And then that way it makes them feel better when they don't do anything. You know, <laughs> there's always that to consider. It's like, oh, I'm so busy. Like, okay, could you, can you go out for a walk for 15 minutes? No, nope, too busy for that. And it's like, okay, so you're justifying your lack of action because you're busy. But in reality, you could just, you could fucking sort your schedule out and you could make it happen. I'm a great believer in that, man. You know, when I, I prepped for a bodybuilding show a few years back, I think it's 2017. And I was, at the time, I was a full-time van driver. I was delivering a multi-drop. So I was like, you know, my days were really long. I'd wake up in the morning at uh, 4, 4 a.m. to be at the unit. I was starting to pack a van at 5 a.m. and I wouldn't get back to the unit until maybe 6, sometimes 6.30 in the evening. And uh, when I decided to start prepping for a bodybuilding show, I was like, I've got to take responsibility for this, right? Like, I I've said I'm going to do this. I'm going to fucking commit to it. I'm going to make it happen. I'm not going to get on stage wearing a pair of pants looking like shit, right? It's like, I'm gonna get on there looking good. So I decided, I was like, what do I need? I had a mentor at the time and he, and he told me that uh, one of the first things we were gonna do 
is uh, he wanted me to go for a cold water sea swim three days a week in the morning. And I was like, but Mark, I don't have, and then I realized what I was saying. I was trying to say I couldn't do it because of X, Y, and Z. So I told him, Mark, get up already at four o'clock. Do you know what he told me? Get up at three. That's literally what he said. He said, get up at three, go to bed earlier. And I was like, okay, cool. So I scheduled that in and I got it done. And that seven weeks of prep looked pretty much like a, a properly jam-packed schedule. So I was still working my full-time job. I was training in the morning and then I would try, and then I would go to work all day. I'd eat all my meals. Then in the evening, when I get back, the first thing I did was back out the door to go to the gym for my second workout, right? And it literally was just back to back. Like there was no extra room there really for much else. That was when my daughter was first born too. So it was really, really, really busy, but I got it done, you know, because I, I understood that for me to do those things, I need to schedule it. I need to make, you know, there's an old, an old saying, right? That if you show me your schedule, I sh I'll tell you, what the quality of life you have and I believe that because I've, I've lived it um so dude you mentioned getting into fitness but what I you said you you met you fell into the hands of a, an awesome trainer do you still speak to this guy yeah man still friends I'm seeing him on Saturday for a beer that's cool. so dope man I love it and how long ago was that oh shit 15 years ago wow man that's Damn. awesome dude that's a proper relationship so tell us about the impact that this guy had on you and um, you know, I believe in universal intelligence. I believe that you were put in front of him uh, and for whatever reason it, it, it needed to happen. Um, but yeah, tell us a little bit about that interaction and why it was such a, a positive influence for you. And, and, and I guess why you listened, because, you know, just because you're in front of the right person who's going to give you some good advice doesn't mean that we're always open to listening, which is a, a problem for, I think, quite a few people. So just love to dive into that, dude. Mm. So for me, the power of a great coach is just being able to lead someone to the options and allow them to see their potential. Uh, there's a big trend in the fitness industry where a lot of trainers will just tell a client what to do. And it's literally the worst form of coaching. It's like teaching a child, like go and do your times table, like do it. And all of that's important. It's theory, but it's like, how do you apply it? What are the options? Why are you using it? How is it applied in real life? And this coach, uh, coach Ben just sat me down and he goes, look, you know, what you're doing can just, let's just improve it. Like you've got the time there. Like you're, you're doing like exercise for an hour a day. Let's do a bit less running. Let's do a few more weights. Let's tidy your diet up because you know, you, you're not really eating that many fruit and vegetables and like protein's pretty lacking and that's important for body composition. And he literally dialed in like four things and then gave me this book. And he said, I can see you're a self learner. You're motivated. Just go and read this book. And he didn't sit down. He wasn't dogmatic. He didn't enforce his opinion on me. And then over time, I just kept trying to pick his brains. And then I remember getting a workout program off his colleague because at the time he worked with more of a rehab lady and he was more of a strength lady. So he was like, you need a little bit of rehab and a bit of corrective uh, work because I had awful posture as a kid. I, I looked like a garden gnome. At, like. <laughs> So he, he sent me to her and I got straightened out and, you know, did a load of stuff. And again, it just, it allowed me to see that I could, if I was receptive and open, shape my own story and he would just be there to help me. And that was a really valuable lesson because I'd like to think that I'm a very similar coach now. I'm here to facilitate a journey, not tell someone how to live their life. Mm, I do like that, man. What, what book was it? Uh, it was How to Eat, Move and Be Healthy by Paul Check. Um, I can't vouch for like the info in it now. Um, you know, hopefully it's been updated. You know, I'd, I'd like to say there's a few outdated principles in it, but the beauty of the book was about standing back and looking at your life very holistically, body, mind, soul, like Paul checks, a very uh, spiritual person. And it's like, look, none of this is going to work if you're not thinking right, you're not feeling right. Uh, and I think that was a beautiful early entry into the fitness industry and stopped me focusing on just sort of the physical body, which a lot of the fitness industry does. Yeah, it's so true. And I think that that's mainly due to the fact that, um, and I've always said this, I've always said that Instagram has played a part in that, how, you know, it's like a very image, heavily, heavily image-based platform. And I think that that did play into it a little bit. I feel like social media is, is so useful and it's so positive and it's great. It's an amazing tool that we have to connect with each other and do things like this. But at the same time, there's also that dark side, if you will, of comparison, you know, looking at a certain picture of what you're supposed to look like, 
you know, and things like that. So I think that's a, a really, a really good topic. How have you seen that out, man? Like from your perspective, how have you seen this? Because obviously you've been around for fucking some years now and just mentioned them 15 years ago is when you first got into it. So how do you feel like it's shifted, man? Just seeing how social media has continued to rise and how that platform is used and, and the fitness industry itself. That is a tough question, mainly because I try and really distance myself uh, mentally and physically from social media because I don't don't feel I'm mentally right for it a lot of the time. And it sounds silly, but I have to feel like I'm really in the right place to go on social media because even if I'm feeling great and whatever, like I follow a lot of great and inspiring people, peers in the fitness industry, people I look up to, and it's so easy to get FOMO of what everyone else is doing. Oh, I'm staying in tonight, but so-and-so's gone out or so-and-so's at an event or, oh, I should be at that event. I, you know, I said, I said I couldn't do it and oh, now I'm feeling bad that I could do it. And like, I literally don't want to have any of that in my mind. So I'm actually on social media, um, not a lot at all. Uh, if anything, I use Twitter quite a bit because tw Twitter is quite like news-based and journalist-based and I, I quite like that. So um, that, that's, that's for me. And I just have to distance myself from me because I know how I behave on it. Fortunately, I've got a big enough business in an ecosystem where other people can help me manage that. So my involvement is, is minimal. Um, I just give the advice to other people of like shape your social media experience. Like as soon as stuff is making you feel negative or someone's pissing you off, like unfollow, delete them, block them, like literally shape it as best you can. So I'll pick like two or three times in my week where I'll go online. I'm feeling good. I'm, I'm quite up for uh, seeing what other people are doing and I usually try and do it when I'm going to something or doing something that I'm feeling really good about so it seems silly but I do this because it just literally makes me feel better about myself so on Thursday I'm going to London on the train and I'm going to meet uh, someone about a potentially a big partnership for our business about me to do a lot of education and then I'm speaking at one of the big F45 gyms in London so I'm going to feel good about that. I'm going to London, like it's going to be good. So I'll probably sit on the train, do some social media, chat to some people and kind of do my stint mm. because I'm already going to do something where I feel that almost other people should be looking at me to miss out. Yeah. Whereas if I was at home with my dog sitting on the sofa, I don't quite often go on social media because I don't end up feeling good about it. Mm, and that's interesting. Like, like it might seem silly, but I just don't want that emotion because like if I'm working, I just want my head to be in my work. If I'm with my wife, I just want my head to be switched on with my wife. And, that, and that's it. Part of it is maybe because I've been on social media for quite a while. Like I first, you know, created a Facebook account in like 2008. So I've been on social media 12 years now. So part of me is probably like, yeah, you know, I could take it and leave it. So there's probably part of that as well. But I suppose the lesson there for people is just really be in tune with your emotions and how things make you feel because the best connections are going to come from real people in the real world. Mm. I think that's why it is so important as well, just with, uh, you know, the ability to tell stories and to be vulnerable um, plays into it a lot because if you have that ability where you can, you know, because for a lot of people, it's hard. We spoke off air about that, how people don't like opening up. People don't like sharing their bad days just as much as their good days. And, you know, I feel storytelling really gives you the space to be able to do that, you know, be able to actually step up and say, I'm not feeling okay today, but I'm going to show up and show people there's a lesson in this. And and I feel like that's, that, that's where it can be used um, as a really good tool in a positive light, you know, um, dude, I want to know about your, your initial journey into fitness, because I know you said that you lost six stone in six months off the back of reading that book, but can you remember a time early on in that phase of those six months where you where you actually had, like experienced a real major setback, whether that was personal bled into your fitness journey or whether it was in your fitness journey or, or, or whatever it was like, uh, what, can you remember a real specific like David and Goliath moment in that first initial journey? Yeah. So just to clarify, it was, it was a slip of the tongue, five and a half stone in six months. Uh, the biggest is, Slip up was probably, <laughs> I know, but I, I like to be factually correct because otherwise the keyboard worries to get out and they're like, yeah. you'll be on the front page of like the newspaper soon. He lied. <laughs> um, you'll be thrown under the fucking bus for that, Ben. <laughs> Careful. Mate, that's the kind of shit that people thrive on on social media. It's a sad place. Yeah. 
Um, <laughs> so, John, it's probably just before I uh, joined that gym and got the hand of another trainer. That was probably my biggest moment. I spent all summer running and I spent all summer like what I thought was eating well. You know, I've really cleaned out my diet. wasn't eating like any quote unquote shit. Um, I wasn't drinking that much and I just wasn't losing any weight. And I was like, you know, I'm putting in a ton of effort here. It's not like I'm not trying, trying harder than most. And, um, and then, yeah, that kind of inflection point where I had a massive argument with my brother, I was bullying him as big brothers do. And, uh, he was like, you're not so perfect. Look at you, you're ex stone overweight, etc." So that was probably my biggest aha moment. And, um, I suppose I sort of had the strength to stand back and go, well, in that case, I don't know. I'm not going to accept failure. I'm going to go and find someone that knows. And like ever since from the age of 18, I've just been, I don't know the answer to this. So I'm going to go and find a book. I'm going to go and find a person. I'm going to go and find a podcast. And I do that every day now. Like as soon as I want to know something, I'll spend an hour researching it, listening or exploring, because that is the, you know, the beautiful thing about the internet. We have power of knowledge at our hands at all times. Mm -hmm. I think we really do, man. It's a great fucking time to be alive. It really is. It is. It's a great yeah. time to be alive. Uh, did you see this recent stuff with uh, Caroline Flack as well? Yeah. Oh, Jesus. What we I did. Only about. the highlights, you know. But um, yeah, man, it's it's sad. Like it's it's horrible. Um, I, I wrote on my social media today and, and maybe it was a bit too close to the time I don't know but I, I'm very much like that if I have something to say I will say it and and uh, you know once I know what I want to say I will definitely say it and I've been thinking I've been seeing so many things it's just like regurgitated information about how every time this happens it's sign a petition axe the show but it's the same shit it's not solving the problem and I posted today saying that I think people need to realize this isn't about, you know, people being kinder to each other on social media. This is about individuals taking responsibility for their mental and emotional resilience and building it over time, you know, because you can't stop or control the, the thoughts and things that people say. And especially in the online space, it's fuck mate, you could get trolled hard in the online space. But this is the thing, if we're not teaching people, especially kids from like a relatively young age, how to deal with like rejection and setback and failure. Um, and, and all we're doing is handing them participation awards when they fucking, his brother right, had one. Right. <laughs> you right. can't tell him. Mate, so, so this was the tail end of last year. I took my brother, he plays football um, in Bracknell where, my, where my family live. And he plays football for a local team as a goalkeeper. So I took him to the, uh, the first football award ceremony, which was held in a local community, um, community building. So I took him there and there was maybe, I don't know, 50 or 70 kids there. And it was on these long tables. And you had a guy on the stage and there was about a gazillion trophies on stage. I'm like, I said, that's a lot of bloody trophies there. <laughs> and then all it's of a sudden- first place winners. <laughs> yeah. All of a sudden he calls up each and every single kid up for a participation trophy and it's huge, just huge trophy. So they can take this trophy, come and sit down and have this huge feeling of accomplishment for just taking part in the football team. And you can even be on the bench. You don't have to be first team. You can be mm. third and fourth team, not even play a match and still get a participation trophy. Crazy. And this is the thing though, isn't it? It's like, if, and, and this is why I said it, because I genuinely feel like to a degree, it's it's easy to say people need to be nicer to each other on social media. If you just don't make a comment because you're not you know a nice person, you don't have anything nice. Those things don't work, unfortunately. Anymore, it just doesn't. It's not you can't regulate it on social media, can we? Unless you ban everybody's account when they say something nasty, it's just not possible on a mass scale. So what can we do? And I was thinking about that idea of like what could we do to start? You know, three people died off that show, man. Did you know that that sure. Love Island? That's the third person. Was it? that Mike Felicities or whatever his name was, that guy last year, uh, one of the other girls, and now the, the, the person who actually presents the show. So like, walk, and Jeremy Carl, someone died on it after the mm. lie detector thing. So it's like, we can't just keep axing shows and telling people to be nice. That's, that's not working. So what can we do? And I, I think it does come down to just building, taking responsibility for your own mental and emotional resilience, just like you do with fitness. So, you know, I said to Perry the other day, one thing I love about bodybuilding and staying in shape and being in shape, no one can take that away from you. You fucking grafted for that body, mm. right? You grafted to be healthy. You grow like, no, you can't just buy it from Amazon and then look at yourself in the mirror and all of a sudden you look great. 
it takes you time to build up that resilience against your resistance training and your, you know what I mean? You have to build it over time. So I really do believe it's the same thing with here and, and with our emotions, you know? Mm, I agree. And I want to get even more vocal about that kind of stuff on my social media, but it's probably actually the one thing that I feel that I kind of occasionally have a bit of imposter syndrome with because I'm 33, which isn't old. And I haven't had a kid yet, which is something that changes your life. Like everyone, you know, that's a parent knows that. So I feel that once I've had that experience, I want to kind of really reach out because every time I really challenge people like you do with, you know, their mental and emotional place, um, there's so much fight back. And like so many people will say the easy thing is, oh, well, it's all right for you because, you know, you don't have kids or it's all right for you because you work from home and you can do this. And I'm like, there's a bit of an argument there, but you're not taking fucking control. Like, and it's the victim mentality. Did a podcast on this this morning about victim mentality. Like, if you if you play the victim, the world will act on you. Um, but if you decide to take control of your life, you feel like you are acting in the world. Um, and it's just a simple mindset shift to have, but you've got to choose to take that kind of control. Um, another podcast guest that might be great for this show is, uh, do you know Chris Williamson? Yeah, know the name. Yeah, mate, he'd be sweet for the show. He used to be on Love Island. Um, you know, he tells the story of how it just, you know, fucked with his head and he was a dick on the show. And now he's got an awesome podcast and he speaks very openly about it. And he also speaks a lot about sobriety um, and how like giving up alcohol could give you clarity that you just have no idea that you had. Um, but, you know, he's again, he's another guy like you and me who's just saying, like, take control, be aware, be vulnerable, like, have full awareness over the shot like none of us have got our shit together and that's the thing like people look at me on social media and they're like oh you've got your shit together and i'm like yeah i have but there's days i wobble there's days i'm unsure but i just you know just take some time to understand that and come back stronger the next day um you know everyone's got their demons we've all been through stuff like i could tell my story to someone and they'd be like oh that's nothing listen to this story but then i could tell that story to someone else i'm like oh my god i can't believe what you've been through so everyone's got a story that's worse or better than other people's, but you just need to live your own story and that's it. Yeah, so true. I always say that, you know, your rock bottom is someone else's highlight. Mm. You know, you really have to give yourself that perspective to realise that, yeah, we've all been through some shit, we've all had some setbacks, but everyone has in different ways. And, and I feel like you, it really comes down to the responsibility that you take over the story that you want to live, ultimately. And the reality is... Any, anyone's problem can seem like the worst problem in the world. Like we can all create emotions. Like I could go and fall over walking the dog and cut my arm and I could just get so tore up about it that I could almost get depressed and angry and all the rest of it. It's just something really small, but it just ends up being a culmination of emotions. Um, and that's how I try and speak about things like anxiety and mental health. And it's really hard for people up, uh, uh, who have you know, what they feel is a mental health issue to really look at that in the face and take control. I remember um, a really popular video by, uh, you know, Prince Ea? Ea? Yeah. Like he did a video where he's talking about um, depression uh, as clouds in the sky. And he's like, thoughts come and they go. And he's like, you can choose to stand back, to look at that cloud as a thought and just watch it go. But most people with, you know, depression or anxiety, they jump into that thought and they, they live in it and they stay in it for hours and hours and days and days. And he's like, if you spend time, you have the ability to stand back. And I remember sharing that video and the amount of people that just jumped on my back and were like, you have no idea, like you've never suffered from this. And I'm like, I've been to a dark place. I've been to low things. I've just chosen to stand back and look at it really differently. Um, and, you know, someone like you guys, a testament to say that I've been in a really fucking dark, horrible place. But there was a moment where I was able to just stand back and gain, and gain enough perspective and control to take a positive action forward, which allowed me to then take more and more positive actions. Um, and sometimes that is really hard to get through for people. And you feel really bad for like holding the mirror up to some people, but sometimes uh, a little bit of tough love is needed or uh, who someone else I heard phrase it differently, uh, love tough the other day, Martin Rooney. He, I interviewed him and he said, sometimes you just got to love tough. It's true, like mate. Yeah. I mean, I did it at a, uh, I was, I was booked onto an event a little while back uh, for the beginning of, um, was it the beginning of middle of Jan or something? Middle of Jan. And um, it was a mental health event. 
And I was like, yeah, cool. I don't, you know, I don't, I don't have mental health issues. I have had depression, but I'm not depressed. Yeah. So like, there's been days, like you said, where you're down and you don't feel, you know, even weeks where I've experienced in the last 18 years of my life plus. And uh, I decided to go there and I was like, I was toying with what to say and speak to these people about knowing that 98% of the people in the audience have mental health issues. And I was like, well, I could go on one side of the fence and I can just basically make a friend there, you know, and make it, everybody love me and just say what they want to hear, which is, you know, you can work through it and, you know, speak to people and do all the same generic shit that most people say to them. And I was like, and that, that could get me some fans, which would be cool. Or I could go and I can actually be real and I, and I can just speak about how I see it. Right. Which I did. <laughs> and the way that I, that I basically said it to people was, you know, I was told to come here tonight and motivate you and, and inspire you guys and, you know, give you some uh, motivation to do that. I actually want to wake you up. I want to show you that it's possible to not have to live in depression. You, you know, it's something that, and what happened was I actually gained a lot of fans at that talk because people appreciated that I'd been in a position where my life was fucking terrible at certain points, you know, doing drugs every day of your life for four years straight is that is drug addiction beyond you know description isn't it? that's fucking serious drug addiction every day i did drugs and i was extremely fucked up when i didn't take them so when i didn't take them i had all these thoughts and things in my mind and i struggled so i've been there and i understand but i'm not there now and i was saying to them you know i didn't do anything that's magical i just managed to take control of my life and really look at things a different with some perspective and um i feel like that is what people need sometimes it is it is love tough mm. I think I can't remember, but I was doing research on this a couple of weeks ago because I did a podcast on it and uh, the statistics of people that sort of classify themselves or a doctor classifies them to have depression is something ridiculous like uh, 93% have had uh, some history of trauma or abuse or uh, neglect or something in their childhood. And like you say, like you guys have had, you know, way worse trauma than I have. You've seen fucking dark shit. Um, but the only way you dealt with that and moved forward is really looked at it and owned it and, mm -hmm. and didn't allow that to hold you back, became vulnerable with it, both to yourself and to other people. And I genuinely feel that's some of the, you know, the best advice you can give someone that's got past trauma is like, look that shit in the face and own it. Don't try and hide it, stuff it in a pocket. Don't tell your wife about it and all that stuff. Like you've got to be at one with it. Um, yeah. and that's why I've talked about on my podcast, like my experience with how I felt about my dad and, you know, how I was acting out when I was 17, writing him letters in Iraq, um, you know, all this kind of shit to try and make me feel better. But I wasn't owning it. I was just trying to blame him. And it was like, it's happened. It's done. Like deal with it, own it and move on. And as soon as I did that, I, like you guys have said, like, I was free. It's self-healing, yeah, it for sure. I mean, my mum, she she's a, she had a really tough upbringing. My mum was was sexually abused as well, and it's her story to share, and she's already shared it, which is the only reason, by the way, that I would actually say that on the podcast. Um, but, like, you know, my mum held on to that for years, man. We grew up, we were brought up dealing, dealing with what we were dealing with, but also dealing with my mum's issues as well because she hadn't worked through it. And it's only, this. get this right, when I shared my story... It actually created a rip because you think it's not just me that that affects when I share it on social media. I'm about to tell this is where I was. I was like, I'm about to tell people that my brother murdered someone when I was at, when I was 10 years old. I'm about to tell people things about myself that literally have stayed in a fucking box for the last 18 years that also play into effect to my sister, my brother, my and my mum. So like sharing this is going to be difficult, but I need to do it for me. And I spoke to my mum about it, very difficult person to deal with on the best of days. Not now, she's worked through some stuff, which is great. But back then, she's a very difficult human. And even if she listens to this, she would tell me that I'm right. But for once, she'll tell me I'm right. And um, so when I went to my mum and said to my mum before I shared it, I said, mum, I've got to do this. You know, I, like, I can't tell you like specifically what, but I just know I have to do this. I said, I, ca I can't continue to go on and live my life without actually getting this out. Like it's fucking destroying me. And she told me that if I told anyone or if I shared it on social media, she'd disown me. Now, at that time, I had, a, I had to think, like, the decision I make is about, and it's not like the first time she disowned me, just want to say, for, for the point of this podcast, for context, there was multiple times throughout my life where I saw that happen with my brothers, my sister, my other brother, and, you know, it's not, it wasn't new, but I, I still, at that 
point, I was like, bro, I've got to make a decision. I either hold this back and allow this to fucking sit in me like a virus and destroy me from the inside out and slowly just do that. Or I can say to my mum, I'm doing this anyway. And I'm not going to name drop you. I'm not going to make it personal to you, but I need to do this. If you want to unfollow me on social media or cut me off on social media, fine, but I need to do this. I did it and she did, in fact, disown me. We didn't speak for probably five months, you know, five months of pretty much no contact. Yeah, man, no contact at all, really. When she messaged, it was about me dropping my daughter off. And that was really it. Like, there wasn't really any relationship. And we dealt with a lot of um, pain in our relationship from the past anyway. But when I shared my story, check this, right? A few months after, my mum shares her story for the first time ever. She's talking about her sexual abuse, talking about her son murdering someone, some, something that she never, ever thought she would do. And today, she now thanks me for having the strength for myself to share my story. She says to me now, I'm proud of you. And, and without you sharing the story, I never would have been able to do it for myself. So, you know, if people are listening to this now, this is, I feel like this, this, this podcast has been really fucking in depth on certain things that I feel just needed to be spoken about. Um, if someone's struggling right now to share their story and there's certain parts of their story, like Ben mentioned, where you may have some trauma, which is a high likelihood, it's a lot of people, just know that you, you, if you're going, to, one, sharing it is really going to help. And two, you need to do it for you. You need to do it for pure reasons. I feel like that's the, that's the, the real takeaway here is like, do it for a pure reason. Don't do it because you think it's going to help you get sales. Don't do it because you think it's going to get you some leads. Don't do it because of any of that, that shit. Like, don't do it for attention. Do it vulnerably without no expectation in return. And when you do it from that place, it just feels so good. And you can actually work through the pain and it helps. I think to do that as well, you've got to have sat on it for a while and been able to identify with all the different emotions. So another story that you know, I battled with for a long time is in 2017, on a business point of view, um, I pretty much spent all year fighting going bankrupt. Now, it's not like, you know, emotional tr turmoil when you're younger or any of that kind of thing, but it's still a very hard thing to go through when all, you're always constantly looking at your bank account going, fuck, like there's nothing in it. Um, and you've got to pay seven different wages. You've got to order stock and there's literally nothing. I remember... I battled with all the thoughts and the demons and the pressure for the whole of 2017. And for my Christmas podcast, I just switched on the microphone and I just told everyone about it. And wow. um, I, I couldn't have done that in like February 2017 because I was in it. I was yep. fighting it. I didn't know what was going on. My words would have come out like verbal diarrhea. It would have <laughs> sounded like I'm seeking attention and trying to get help. But at the end of 2017, yeah, I'd got through a bit of pain and I, you know, I'd worked through it and I had a bit of stability and I felt calm about it and I could get my words out. And, you know, if, if people want to share their story to be free, make sure you're kind of through that. And if you're in the story and the pain's there and everything's confusing, that's where you need to go and confide in someone that can personally help you, you know, ring some, ring a helpline, confide in someone, you know, this, that's not a story for social media because you're in it. Um, and, and fucking shit can go sideways really quickly by opening yourself up in that way. So I just want to define for people that there's a, there's a time and a place that you go about help. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, I, I agree with that. I do. I remember, um, I remember how, so when I was abused when I was 10 and then it was my dad who told me to keep it silent because I don't want a black cloud over the family. So don't be talking about it to anybody because I don't want people to know all oh, the power family, there's section of abuse going on in there. So I kept it a secret, but I didn't know that for when I was 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, 16, 17, I was still living subconsciously that story because I'd kept it a secret, right? And all these self-sabotaging thoughts kept seeping into my mind because I couldn't talk about it to anybody else. So I was still living in that story. And it took, unfortunately, for my dad to literally drop dead from a heart attack and then see because it was my dad that kept it a secret. My dad was a very funny man. He was very emotionally abusive without really realizing. Um, and he was the one that sort of kept it secret within me from this invisible force. And then when he died, and I, I kind of looked at it because that weight that he, and that hold that he had over me had sort of disappeared. And then- um, Was that James Moody's mastermind? Yeah, well, so, I was, so I know you're a good friend of James, James Moody then. Um, mm -hmm. And I was at, 
many years ago, I was at a, a, a mastermind event with James Moody and um, they had Liam Britton on to do something. And I ended up contacting Liam Britton after and he was talking to me about forgiveness. And I was like, whoa, yeah, we know what forgiveness is, but that just timing and relevancy was just right there at that specific time. And then I moved on to forgive my dad. And then I realized once I came out of that, holy shit, that's, that's my story. That is, that sexual abuse is what ended up killing him because keeping sexual abuse hidden down then resorted to alcohol abuse as a coping mechanism, which then led to drugs because he used to take speed all the time. So that was a coping mechanism. And then it ended up killing him because then he had diabetes and everything else under the sun that went wrong. I ended up, I ended up being in a position to share that story because I felt like I've come through that dark cave. I was like, I'm ready to now share my story. I'm ready to own it. Mm-hmm. I guess that is the reason why, and not to shamelessly plug what we do at Fit Story, but it seems amp now because we're having the conversation. That is the reason why we do what we do with what we're doing with the program. You know, it's, it's helping people really understand their story and connect the dots. And I believe when you do that, it, you, like, here's the thing. You never know where you're going until you know where you've been. I, I believe that. I believe that you really need to digest where you've been in life for you to get a clear enough understanding of where you want to go. And, and if you don't know, like, if you have uncertainty around your vision or where you want to start moving the needle toward and things, that's probably because you haven't looked at where you've been yet and figured it out because... We say all the time, all of the answers are in your story. You just have to take the time to look into it and figure it out. And that's, again, you know, one of the things that drive us as a brand is to help people do that. And what could take, the last thing I want is for someone to take 18 years to do it. Do you see what I'm saying? Like, that's the last fucking thing that I want. You know, completely agree with what you said, Ben. It's 100% on point. But I just don't want to wait. I don't want someone to have to wait that long. To come out of that you know i don't want someone to have to live in that any longer than they have to live in it because that is fucking destroying you so if you've got and this is the thing we have a good friend and he always says he's a personal development coach for, for fitness coaches and he always says you don't have a business problem you have a personal problem showing up in your business and this is why we're doing the collaboration because what he is aligned to and his method of thinking it, it aligns directly to what we're about so I really do believe that, you know, sometimes these fitness professionals, look, it's not that hard to get some clients from social media. It really is not that difficult. It is not rocket science. Um, But like the reason why it's probably not happening, if you are in a program and you're investing money into mentorship and it's still not getting a client and you're like, what the fuck is going on? It's probably not the systems and it's probably not the strategies. It's probably the fact that there's some underlying issue personally that keeps showing up and sabotaging you in your business and until you really look into it and figure it out and move past it it may just continue to show up and do that damage you know so Mm. i think a big part of the problem there in people really potentially owning that is the forgiveness part of it um you know forgiveness means that we take away any potential blame you know blame makes us feel better about the problem but you know everyone is like so flawed in so many ways. And like our parents got a load of shit wrong, but they also got a load of shit, right? Like we're all still alive. You, me, us, we're doing well. We've worked it out. We've got there. We've figured it out. So, you know, this shit that I was angry about years ago, you know, with my dad and he wasn't around as much as I wanted him to be and all that kind of stuff. But actually he gave me the skills to become ambitious and strong in my resolve and competitive and like those are all skills that I've now been able to use and sculpt my career with um you know I'd, I'd like to think that I'm now going to be a really good father because I, I've seen you know how maybe not to do it and stuff but I had to mm-hmm. forgive him fully I had to forgive every element of myself uh, and my past actions and you know I just want to implore people that part of this really is forgiveness it's acceptance it's forgiveness it's, it's owning it and then you, once that happens, it's, it's, quite re, it's quite easy to rebuild yourself uh, with a good environment and, and, and then a bit of a plan. Mm. You know, uh, just before we get off this podcast, dude, firstly, I fucking loved every minute of it. It doesn't feel like we dove as deep as I wanted to on your story and we went off on a, on a, on a few other subjects, which is absolutely epic. So I want to invite you back, by the way, in a few months' time, mate, we'd love to have you back on and, and maybe dive into a little bit more of your story. 
Um, but, you know, I just want to say thank you so much, mate. This, is, this has been a really, really insightful episode and I think really helpful. I think anyone that does listen to this is genuinely going to be able to take something from it and it's not going to, you know, it's going to really help them, especially if they're experiencing some of the shit that we've just spoken about, you know. Um, and one question, actually, when you shared about your business struggles back in 2017, what did that, because most people would say you wouldn't want to, you wouldn't do that, right? That would be the first initial thing, like, don't do that. Don't share that you're in that space. But what did that do for one yourself? You said it helped because you were able to kind of work through it and accept that it's happened. But what did that do for your business on the flip end? Because now you're sitting there, you've got shelf full of your supplements behind you, you're always repping the brand, you're speaking all over the world, you're doing amazing things. So like, it, something must have changed in, in that as well. So firstly, it made me feel free. It felt like I had a dirty little secret that on social media, I was all like, oh, achieve your goals. Like all of this kind of <laughs> shit behind, you know, I'm like, swan on water legs paddling like working 12 13 14 hours a day really struggling not sleeping not training i felt like a bit of a fraud so i felt free from telling everyone <laughs> for my business um you know i've got no way to quantify it but i'm sure it had a very positive impact on just how people saw me as a person as a brand but yeah. on social media I literally had three days worth of Instagram messages um, because people wow. were just like, fuck, I had no idea. Like I look at you as someone in the fitness industry that's got their shit together. It's got it all figured out. And to hear that you've literally been struggling all year and we haven't been able to see it because you've hid it so well. Mm. Uh, it was really refreshing and just got loads of people reaching out to me. It was like, I feel loads better about, you know, my gym struggling or not being able to get enough clients or, you know, struggling at work and stuff. So, you know, you guys say this, you know, well, and this is the beauty of your podcast and showing people's vulnerability. It's like nothing bad's going to come of vulnerability. Like if you post something vulnerable online and someone reacts negative to it, fucking delete them. You know, they're a dick. Like if they're that heartless that they just think you're weak or you're gay or whatever, all these words that we band around, um, then they're not a friend, like just move on with the positive people in your life. So yeah, very positive for me, very positive for everyone else, it seems. Yeah, oh, I love it, man. And congrats on everything, dude. Yeah. Uh, one question before we do clock off, and uh, it's actually about the business and kind of what you're doing. When I say business, I just refer to you as a human now because there's so many strings to your bow. But let's... <laughs> Let's say um, the vision for you and what you're doing moving forward. What does it look like, man? If you want to give us some insight, I'd love to hear. Uh, as a personal sort of brand and person, and uh, I want to write a book every nine months for the next five or six years. I feel like that's something that I kind of should have been doing. But in the background, I've been busy building a very robust business for the future. So I want to get a book out uh, this summer. I want to uh, get our supplements overseas and then I want to continue to build our education system so we can train people that great are great at coaching other people to go and help uh, change lives. So that, that's my mission alongside being the world's best dad. Dude, you've been an effort. I'm going to say you've been an awesome guest. Really? Um, dude, I appreciate you taking the time out of your day and your business to, to come and jam with us on Fit Story TV. Mate, it's been an absolute pleasure. Keep doing what you're doing. You're doing a service to others. It's, uh, it's awesome. It's been an honor to, to share thy story. All right, man. Peace out, bro. Bye-bye. Thanks for joining us for another episode of Fit Story TV, the number one resource that everyone in fitness can relate to. Yo, if you got value from this episode, all we ask is that you tell a friend. See you next time.